1: I think with the experience, I think, you know, with just the reps, um, you just learn uh, to be calm in a chaotic environment. You know, yes. when, you know, the big D linemen are, you know, trying to sack you and stuff like that. I mean, you just have to be calm uh, as a quarterback and stuff like that. So, of course, you know, I, I still have room to improve, but, um, you know, I'm definitely uh, seeing improvement for myself mm-hmm. for year. Sure.
2: Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 6 7 of the score. We have the ginger hair genius, Zach Seidman, with us this morning filling in for David. And that is the voice of Justin Fields. And it's uh, it's always fun to hear him. He was on the Rich Eisen uh, podcast, I believe. Um, and, and I like Rich a lot. I thought uh, that was a great um, interview with Justin Fields. And I, I'm kind of. Uh, I'm charged up about everything going on with the Bears, all the possibilities this off season. I'm obviously monitoring right now uh, all the franchise tag stuff, all the rumors that are circulating out there. We know that the uh, the franchise tags uh, you've got to make it. if you're going to tag someone, you got to tag them by the seventh uh, of March. So that deadline's right around the corner. We we've got all sorts of weird deadlines right around the corner, the NHL trade deadline on the 3rd, and then obviously on the 7th, you've got the uh, the tag deadline, and then you'll have a good sense of who's left available for the uh, leading the league in money back over 100 million bears. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see what they can do, how they can improve, and, and if they will go kind of all in on some of these players. I mean, how interested are they in spending all the money that they have freed up or do they plan on doing that over a couple of years? I'll be very curious to find that out as well. And then obviously we talk about the draft and whether they can trade that first round pick. Um, You know, there's been a lot of people suggesting that they should hang on to the pick and trade Justin Fields. And I, I, you know, I understand what they're saying. I understand that if you, you know, if you trade Justin Fields, you could argue that you're trading him at his highest value. But if it doesn't work out next year, then he doesn't have trade value. So this, you know, if you have made a determination as an organization as to uh, whether or not he's going to be a, a really good passing quarterback, you can probably uh, make a decision based on that. There's also the idea, whether anyone wants to agree with it or not, that a uh, a guy on his rookie deal is more likely to help you win. Now, Justin Fields is on his rookie deal. He'll be going into his third year. You sign a five-year contract, so you got a couple more years left with Fields before you have to make that decision. But if you do not want to redo that deal, and once you do it, you can't afford anything else. So the idea would be if you did trade Justin Fields, you could you could start your clock again with a different rookie quarterback. I think you've got to keep him. I think that we've seen enough growth from him. And I think that the Bears, would it would take a lot of neck to do something like that. And by a lot of neck, I mean you'd be stretching out your neck. And the thing about that is sometimes it gets chopped off, okay? You make a mistake on this one, and you'll regret it for what's left of your career. I
3: believe you're trying to say it would take a lot of brazos, to to say goodbye to Justin <laughs> I, Fields I
2: I felt comfortable with neck but if you must say brazos I, I don't think, know why you have to have it
3: it sounds cool brazos it's, it's a yeah. line from uh from James Bond one of the uh
2: one of the earlier ones or don't later don't ones
3: Roger one? Moore
2: Oh see I never liked Roger Moore's James Bond but it wasn't and it, I blocked all of them out
3: George Lazenby or Lazenby was oh, the one I couldn't yeah, stand.
2: Yeah, that. now he only did one movie. Yeah, exactly. But uh, exactly. What about Pierce Brosnan?
3: I like you? Pierce Brosnan okay. better than Timothy Dalton, um, and I think Daniel Craig has been
2: phenomenal. Oh, Daniel Craig has been the best since Sean Connery. Yes. Who was handpicked for the role by none other than Ian Fleming himself? Did you know that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll
3: be quiet now. Anyway, so. Roger
2: Moore, man, I I don't know. He was fine in the TV show. But it wasn't Roger
3: Moore who delivered the line. They were in Greece, and there was a, there was a guy named... Uh, it was a smuggler, ah. um, and he was he was eating pistachios. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were in, in, in Greece, obviously. And he goes, you, Mr. Bond, have what the Greeks call brazos. Nice. And that's what it would take, I think, if you...
2: Yeah, I don't if, I don't if think you the trade Bears Justin have, Fields. I don't think the Bears have the kind of uh and I'm not sure what it means, but I would say that it's probably connected to Eric Kramer's nickname when he was here. He had earned the nickname Brass yes. when he was in Detroit because he had uh, you know, brass Intestinal rather. fortitude, now I think, think is what think. you're looking to say. Yes. Brass. The movie is for your eyes only, and Topol says the line. Yes. Roger Moore was a terrible James Bond. Thank you, sir. I agree.
3: And Topol more famous for Fiddler on the Roof, I believe.
2: If I were a rich man.
3: And the Bears are, because they've got a lot of money to work when it comes to the cap in a weak free agent class and a weak draft. Here's the, this, is, this is the thing that, that creates a dilemma for the Bears. And you know they're, they're talking about this behind closed doors at Hallis Hall. So you have this dynamic passer in Bryce Young, who learned how to run a pro-style offense with the tutelage of Bill O'Brien, who was at Alabama when Young was there. Now he's back as the uh, offensive coordinator in New England for Bill Belichick. And if you watch Bryce Young, you know that he's got the ability to make those anticipatory throws, which are so important. The kind of stuff that makes Patrick Mahomes great. Mm-hmm. He also is able to quickly process what a defense is doing. And he's done a really nice job over the course of his career of eluding defenders. But he's really small. And when we say really small, unprecedented. We've not seen a, a quarterback like him in the NFL. So He's mini Mahomes. And, and when you... When you Emphasis on many, yes. and, and when you watch the way, for example, to when, when and yes, this has been a, an era in the NFL where smaller quarterbacks, quarterbacks that aren't tall, have been able to have success. Whether it's Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray before he got hurt, mm-hmm. even Tua last year before he got hurt, but
2: not not slight of build.
3: Yes, the 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 thing is, they're not. He's not a stout guy. He's not a thick guy. He's so. not a
2: bag of potatoes
3: and and i think I think what what worries you is, can you survive? can you have long term success in the nFL being that way no you no
2: know, no you it's hard to it's hard to hold up it was hard for him to hold up in college i I just don't i think it's too I, you know and and again, you know we've talked about this a little bit if it were Caleb Williams there, right. If there was this guy that you knew was the next big thing, if it was Joe Burrow, if it was I'm trying to think of former number one overall picks, you know, Peyton Manning, if it was someone that was luck. was a no brainer, mm-hmm. that's the next guy and that's the guy who's gonna be the guy, then maybe you could contemplate that. But I don't believe I don't believe the Bears will do it and I'd be I'd be surprised if they did do it. I just don't think I don't, I don't know that you could pull that off given the way people have reacted to seeing Justin Fields last year. And I get it. I understand all the records and all the issues and I, you know, I'm, I'm watching all the games too. I'm just telling you, I don't believe that they're going to do it. So it's, it, it, you know, I, I, I get the conversation and I, I listen to the conversation and every once in a while, I think someone makes a good point about it, but Again, the certainty at the position is not there when you start talking about who is going to be atop this draft.
3: Right, and and then, but then we had this discussion in twenty seventeen, and people were telling you, you know, there's no generational quarterback in this draft. I mean, the Bears didn't think so. That's why, yeah, they, they, they
2: did. They traded up for a guy. They <laughs> they did. They traded up. To take a guy but that what they if, thought, but again, I think right. the, the mistake there is that the is that the general manager identified with the guy and thought like this is the second coming of me. Unfortunately, he played quarterback like that guy would have. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that was the problem, you know. And and frankly, Zach, I think it's also you know the Sean Paytons of the world and the Bill Belichick's of the world and the Andy Reid's of the world all believed that Patrick Mahomes was gonna be really good. Though there were people that believed in him. They just they just didn't have the pick and they didn't trade up to get the wrong guy. So it's hard not to remember that when you think about the Bears' horrible luck in drafts.
3: And, and that guy has gone to five consecutive AFC championship games. He's been to three sure. Super Bowls, sure. won two championships, and is by far and away the best quarterback in, in the National Football League. I, I, but here is the – back to the, your current situation. You know the money that's going to be spent on the quarterbacks. This, I mean, think about it. Joe Burrow's up. Justin Herbert's up. You know Jalen Hurts is going to get paid, right? So think about the money. And you saw what you want to avoid is what's happening in Buffalo right now. Is the window in Buffalo closed? As great as Josh Allen is, do they have the ability to find the missing pieces to get themselves to a situation where they can beat Cincinnati and beat Kansas City when it counts in the playoffs? And as great as Justin Herbert has been with the Chargers, will they be able, once they have to pay him, they're having difficulty now, once they pay him, are they going to have the ability to take that next step? And, And when I look at the Bears, and the common thing that we hear here in town is that, just wait, just wait until you surround him with the kind of talent that Jalen Hurts has in Philadelphia, will that ever happen? They have one pick in the top 50, and you just mentioned it. There's no fire number one, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So how much are you going to get back? You know, this thought process that you're, there's going to be a treasure trove of picks coming back, you know, will you be able to surround – Justin Fields with the kind of talent in the next couple of years that you need to, I
2: I mean, it's too early to say what you would get out of the draft because they haven't even started the process. We don't even know how they're lining these guys up. Right. So there's a long way to go before. And and I I mean, again, use the the draft that Justin Fields was in as a, as a, uh, as a sort of blueprint, you know, that draft was Trevor Lawrence, and Justin Fields, those were the two guys going one two, and Lawrence had been ahead of fields all along, and we waited years for Lawrence to come out because he was going to be the great quarterback, mm-hmm. okay, and Fields was his competition for that number one pick. Then you go through the process, and all of a sudden you know you got you got Trey Lance coming from where you got Zach wils what where did he come? You created players because that's what teams do because they need players. So that draft got turned upside down by by the evaluation process. That's what you need to have happen. You need you need to, there to be a run on the bank. you need there to be like a panic about getting a guy and whoever it might be. you know, you can argue that you need one. you just need one team that wants to trade up and get that guy. But really, ideally, There'd be one guy that two teams wanted, maybe two teams in the same division. And at this point, that hasn't unfolded. And then the
3: other thing that we don't know, some of the teams in the top five that are looking for quarterbacks. Right. Right now, we think Houston needs a quarterback and Indianapolis. Do they end up using the trade market? And or free agency, yeah. I think, to solve the quarterback situation. I think situation.
2: Indy can't do that because they've done that, right? They've they've gone down that road of the of the veteran signal caller with varying degrees, but usually bad results. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I I don't believe they can do that. But we need we need desperation not from the Bears, desperation in the league. And here's that's what, that's what people in Chicago need.
3: Do you think the Bears are a hundred percent sold? on Justin Fields, that as much as the fan um, base is.
2: I, no, I, I don't know. I think if Ryan Poles, I think when Ryan Poles took the job, he was going to move beyond the quarterback, and that's why he didn't give him anything. And I think that he was surprised by the development of Justin Fields and the way that he developed, and that now he is not in a position to to make a move at that position. But I think he wanted to when he got – That's why he thought he was going to lose.
3: And the reason I say that is, and you make a great point, you talked about the draft where Trevor Lawrence went one and Fields ended up with the Bears and how these executives fell in love with guys like Zach Wilson. Do you think there's a possibility, remember the Combine's next week and now this process is going to start to play out. Do you think there's a possibility that inside Hallis Hall, the Bears could potentially fall in love with one of these of quarterbacks. Of
2: course there is. Of course there's a possibility. I, I mean, again, I think that they're looking at everything, and I think they owe it to themselves too. I just don't think there's any quarterback that is good enough to make them want to move beyond Justin Fields. I really don't. And if if I felt that way, I'd let you know. And I also think that they, they lack the brazos to make that happen, to use a, a – uh, a word that you have uh, now coined from a bad James Bond. Not a bad James Bond movie, a bad James Bond. That's what I said about Roger Moore, and I'll stick to
3: it. So there are a number of teams that are desperate. If the
2: Bears do draft a quarterback, they will draft the Roger Moore of quarterbacks. That's what we've seen over the course of the years. The wrong guy.
3: So you are declaring, so years from now, you're saying that five years from now, we're not going to look back and say the Bears had a chance to draft the Drew Brees of this class and passed up on him after previously passing
2: up on Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I don't believe he's Drew Brees. Let's try Jimmy Mack. He's in Orland Park. Hey, Jimmy.
1: Thanks for, thanks for taking my call. Love the show. Zach, it's great to hear you talking Bears again, man. But I feel like it's been... I haven't been in my car as much lately, but I know you're on the Cubs beat, but uh, it's good to hear you talking Bears again, man. I always enjoy it.
3: I've always but, loved uh, football. It hasn't stopped.
1: It's, it's the best. I love it when you talk Bears. Thanks. But I disagree with you here, and I am not. I, I know I, I haven't heard the entire conversation, but I hear a lot of this already predetermined that Bryce Young is, is, is a solid passer. Like, you know he's going to be a good passer, and I, I disagree with you there. I heard a lot of people say the same thing about Zach Wilson and Trey Lance, and Jordan Love when he was, that he's, this guy's the next, he's the next Mahomes. And we have no idea what Bryce Young is going to be when he comes out. So you're, you already know Justin Fields from the New England game to the Buffalo game had a 67 percentage completion rate. He threw 12 touchdowns to three interceptions. He kept them in game single-handedly. You know, the guy can play, you give him a defense and offensive line, and maybe he's not the next. Mahomes, but that's a guy I feel like you can win football games with, or you can go hope Bryce Young is going to be Patrick Mahomes, and you can get Zach Wilson. I I would have a really hard time. You have, nobody has any idea what Bryce Young is going to be. You could say the same thing about Ohio State as you can Alabama. He's playing with first-round picks all over the field, great protection, great receivers, great coaches, and now you're going to bring him into the same situation that Justin Fields is struggling in, and expect him to be better. He's not going to be a better runner. I can tell you that he might be a better passer, but you don't know that yet. There were no questions about Justin Fields passing coming out. The guy threw 44 touchdowns and two picks the year before the pandemic. That guy was a prolific passer at Ohio state, the same way that Bryce Young is a prolific passer. And you get into the NFL and it's different. And we don't know that it's not going to be different for Bryce Young. So I would have a really hard time (laughs) walking away from Justin Fields, if it was Trevor Lawrence or Andrew Luck or somebody like that at the top of the draft, or next year with Caleb Williams, right, right, that's different. That's different. This yeah. class, when you're telling me right now, you just said a second ago that there's no there's no consensus guy at the top of the draft. I am not giving up the what could be the next Michael Vick, or you know if when he figures it out without seeing what he can do with weapons and protection. I am not giving up what I saw last year for a question mark that could could be a mini Mahomes. I am not doing it.
2: Thanks, Jimmy. We appreciate it. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. And I I wanna say something about Drew Brees when we come back. It's Mully and Haw. Exact same on the score.
0: we really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
4: Reminds me of a young
2: Drew Brees. Mark Mike. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio six seven the score. Yeah, uh, there, you've mentioned this a couple times, and we just heard uh, uh, John Gruden talk about uh, Drew Brees. There, um, look, here's the thing: you got to go back. You got to, you know, if you want to talk about the history of the NFL, then you got to remember it and go back to when Drew Brees was drafted. Um, they traded. I believe it San Diego had the first overall pick in the draft, and they traded down, and uh, and it was. Um, it was Michael Vick who was the first player taken. And with the fifth or sixth pick, I don't remember, they took Ladanian Tomlinson. That's who the uh, San Diego Chargers took. And then in the second round, the second round, the 32nd pick at that point, but still the second round, that's when Drew Brees went to San Diego. Okay, So Drew Brees was not a first-round draft pick. He was not the first overall pick. He was the first pick of the second round. Um, Jalen Hurts was a second round pick as well, and and he made it to the Super Bowl. And now you're trying to figure out if uh, if you got a combination, if you can develop uh, Justin Fields in the fashion in which he was developed. Again, you know, you draft a guy with a first round pick, it's a different type of deal. You you're, if if Bryce Young is Drew Brees, he'd be a great second round pick, but no, he's going to be the first pick, as you say. Um, I don't know that I'd take Drew Brees. So, Drew Brees ends up in San Diego. He he plays there. He uh, tears his labrum, as mm-hmm. you remember. Mm-hmm. And then they offer him a contract. He turns it down. He goes into free agency. There are two teams vying for him. He goes to Miami, and it, I believe Nick Saban is the coach in Miami, and it's like, oh, this guy's even shorter than I thought he was, and, oh, that labrum scares me. He signs Dante Culpepper, okay? And that's how Drew Brees winds up with, uh, with Sean Payton in, in New Orleans. And that's how his career changed and, and all the rest of it is history. But it's not – I mean, like I would not take Drew Brees with the number one overall pick. I wouldn't do it. Um, he ended up having a Hall of Fame career and he ended up winning a Super Bowl and that, that's all fantastic stuff. But when you look at a draft, there are certain traits that you want to have. And I, I get it that, you know, there's not a perfect player. And oftentimes where you make a mistake in his draft is when you take a guy because he has all these traits, he just can't function at the quarterback position. That's happened quite a bit, mm-hmm. frankly. But I, I think, you know, this Bryce Young thing, Let's not get a let's not get over our skis thinking that he's the next Drew Brees. When Drew Brees had to go through a lot of different things, including be taken in the second round. Drew Brees was only I think he was offered two scholarships out of college or out of high school, one at Kentucky and one at Purdue, and he chose Purdue. That that it wasn't like they were lining up for Drew Brees ever. Who cares? But my point is, if you could, if you why knew, would you think that Bryce Young is going to be the next Drew Brees? If
3: if you knew that you could draft the next
2: Drew Brees, yeah, yeah, okay, you would fair.
3: take him number yeah, one overall. Okay,
2: that's fair. But I'm saying it, it's it's just I I would be careful about taking a guy that's too small for the position at, at number one. Well, that's all.
3: Obviously, that's that's the dilemma, is that. You're not quite 100% sold on what you've got at the quarterback position. Mm -hmm. And the guy who could be the number one overall pick, no matter who makes it, is a guy that has great passing prowess, quick processor, has run a a pro-style offense. By all accounts, you talk to all the scouts, the executives that have watched Bryce Young play They love him as a passer. There are no questions about his ability to process and pass, make the anticipatory anticipatory throws, all that kind of stuff. But there's a huge question about his size and whether or not someone, because we've not seen this, whether or not someone that size can hold up playing this game where you just watched what happened with Tua this past season and you don't know if he'll ever be able to play long-term again. Yeah, I know right. the Dolphins are no, committed know, to him, but I know. It's, it's an that, issue.
2: That that is that is exactly who you're worried about. That that's exactly how you how you're breaking it down. Um, you know, the other thing is, like, as much as building the team up first and then getting the quarterback, as far as that goes, what happens if if you're the the San Francisco 49ers? You know what I mean? Now, Brock Purdy's surgery has been delayed because there's inflammation in his elbow. So, is he going to be back for the start of the season? Are they now stuck? Going with, uh, with Trey Lance, do they need another quarterback? It's going to be fascinating to watch that story. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout. We've got David Ross, the Cubs manager, joins us next. It's Mully and Hall with Zach Zabin on the score.
4: Feels like a, a really you know, good vibe around the group, I think. We've got a lot of guys that like to talk baseball. It's very evident, you know, the baseball conversations are ongoing. Mm-hmm. These guys knowing what they want to do and talking winning baseball. Those are the things that I think just kind of when those things are really organic and, and happen amongst the group, it, it makes my job really easy.
2: Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio six seven to the score. Zach Zavman filling in for David today, and we are delighted. To welcome in the Cubs skipper, he is David Ross. He joins us, as all guests do on the SCORE hotline, presented to you by Soda Weight Loss. Visit sodaweightloss.com. That's S-O-T-A. David, good morning. How are you?
4: Good morning, fellas. How y'all doing?
2: Oh, we're doing great, and it's a joy to talk to you, and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to talk to you when your team has expectations. We haven't seen you guys have to deal with that You've been through a a dark uh, period, maybe, but now everybody in town kind of pumped up and expecting big things. It's a little different, isn't it?
4: Yeah, it's a good vibe around camp. I mean, you know, I think the expectations internally are always extremely high and, um, you know, you try to get the most out of everybody, but we've got, I mean, names and hardware and guys with uh, real awards, uh, championship caliber players that... I have proven on the biggest stage, so definitely exciting, good vibe around camp. Guys are um, into the routines, um, bringing good energy and understand what it takes to get prepared for 162.
3: Hey, Rossi, has the routine changed because of all the new rules that are going to be implemented, meaning are drills different, getting ready for all the new stuff that's going to take place?
4: Yeah, I mean we're we're going over the new rules. So we so we've had two meetings on just making sure we're locked in on what the the you know uh, language of the rules are and and what the intention is, and and then where the live VPs are set to clocks. Um, we're making sure that we're calling guys out on if they're not in the box on time as far as hitters, and just making sure they know um, you know first day like a guy like Justin Steele. One of his tendencies was. To get the ball and rub it up on the mound, you know you can buy yourself a couple of extra seconds to if you get that ball off the dirt and and in the grass and you know go through some of your um, nuances to get ready to to pitch. So just finding that new rhythm of our game, the uh, I think the seek the, the I guess the rhythm is what I'm trying to say uh, that we all play at. There's a there's a rhythm to what's going on in our game is going to have to pick up just a little bit. And the guys are getting used to that.
2: Do you, do you like the new rules? Is there any one you like more than others?
4: Um, you know, I think I'm a big wait and see guy. They are the new rules and I, I haven't felt them yet. I haven't, we hadn't gotten games quite yet. That starts tomorrow. and We'll start to feel some of those, um, what those feel like. And, you know, I'm a wait and see. I think the product on the field from everything that I've heard is the pace of, the game and, you know, getting games in and under three hours is, has been a priority for a little bit, and the, the fans' attention span and how the game is played, I think we'll see a lot of action. Um, I actually love the the no-shift stuff and letting the athletes play. There will be more hits go through. It's going to elevate some of the the defensive stuff we'll see, and I think that's exciting for our game, and it'll actually probably get more guys on base with these guys that hit the ball on the ground to one side, and you've got a bunch of fielders over on one side of the field. Um, I think that's exciting. Now, if it plays in our favor, I'm always going to be in, in favor of it. And if it, if it hurts us, I'm going to hate it. So that's just kind of the competitor in me.
3: Do you think that, at least from a catching standpoint, do you think, and you talked about action, are we going to see more stolen bases? Because I know you were kind of forced to to let your team run a lot more last year because of the lack of power. Do you think just naturally based on these rules we're going to see more of that?
4: Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I do think that. I think the minor league numbers show that stolen bases have gone up. Um, you know, I think getting to the next base is is important to me and especially if you don't have the home run hitters like you said, we didn't have a whole lot of those guys last year just a, a lineup full of thumpers like we did when I first started. Um, managing so I think you adjust to your team but I think as far as the league goes you know from everything I've heard stolen base went up in the minor leagues I would assume that would trans, um you know kind of transcend up to us and 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 be one of those things that teams are going to look at you know you got to got a little bit closer to the base those bang bang plays may be safe instead of out
2: David I'm curious when you think about um the middle infield defense and the way that uh, that you're anticipating these guys playing together we we had talked about what is essential for winning baseball with the new rules and one of the things obviously you're going to have two shortstops in the middle infield um and that's kind of exciting because I I think when we watched you guys win a World Series, you had, like, historic defense. So maybe it's uh, it's harkening back to those days.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think the way I see it is we we do have elite defense up the middle. You know, belly and center also add to that. I think our catching group is is some of the better defensive um, catchers in our game. You know, Tucker Barnhart, two gold gloves. Jan Gomes, a finalist, you know, three times. Um I you know I think defense you can bring every single day. I think defense, base running, fundamental baseball is important. Pitching and defense I think is is a priority for me and and we're built that way. And um, you know we we had a really nice second half as far as our pitching staff last year. Um, so building on that, some guys still coming and, and continue to you know get better. We've got we've got always got to be pushing to get better. And I think we've got championship caliber players at the plate, but. You know, I think you can bring defense every single day, and you know, hitting is kind of a little bit volatile. It comes and goes for each guy, and, and you're going to have have waves of that. But um, I think pitching and defense should something that that steadies us throughout you know the the course of the season.
3: Molly described this as a, a dark period for you uh, the last couple of years as the Cubs <laughs> were retooling, but. But from a managerial standpoint, and I know there's this talk that, you know, managers don't have as much of an emphasis in the game today as they did back in the day, but with you, where did you get better as a manager because of what transpired the last two years?
4: Uh, I think just, I think I evolve every single day, every game, every experience, um, makes me better, the, the thought process, the things I have to work through, um, the patience you have to have, the implementing things that are important to a young group with with not as much winning experience. And um, I think one thing looking back on and seeing young guys get better and um, me prioritizing and my staff prioritizing areas that we want to improve on and watching them go out and, and do those things and it helping us have a better second half, And then, you know, the players being bought in and and not giving up on a season where we're 20 games out, they continue to fight every single day. Those are the things that um, you look back on and you you're proud of, but you understand like there was real real significant growth. And um, I've got to continue to find those areas to continue to help us get better and push the guys forward in all that I believe. And um, I think you know, looking back and and on the last couple of seasons I think my, my patience grows every single day and understanding that, you know, it's we want perfection. We're always going to be striving for perfection, but uh it's not a perfect game. It's an imperfect game. We're imperfect people and um you get good talented group pushing all in the right direction. That's the that's the that's the way to start it.
2: Uh, David, um Ken Rosenthal the athletic, he wrote a story about Wilson Contreras and in it there were a lot of anonymous quotes and Some anger from Wilson in response, but in it he wrote, uh, Contreras' approach occasionally frustrated Cubs manager David Ross, a former catcher, and the team's coaching staff, according to sources. He said that Contreras uh, prepared, he worked hard, but he did not always prepare and work the way the coaches wanted. What's your response to that?
4: Yeah, I mean, I I read that article. Somebody sent me that. Um, You know, I don't think that, there's much I didn't see any facts in there that, that Ken wrote, and I respect Ken's ability and, and what he's done in this game. But um, I love Wilson. I, I don't have any bad things to say about Wilson. Um, and I would, you know, as a former catcher, I would I would give real pause to anybody questioning game calling and preparation. Um, unless you've caught, um, you should never be commenting on those things. I I think Wilson's a championship caliber catcher. That's why uh, he got such a big contract. I think. Uh, the industry showed you what kind of worth he has, and you know he's a brother for life for me. World Series brother, um, I don't have any negative things to say about Wilson. That guy went out every single day and played hard, um, played for this organization extremely hard, was a part of a lot of winning here. So, um, you know, without bashing anybody that that writes stuff, you know, I didn't I didn't see anything in that that article that would would give any um, you know credibility to that you know like you said anonymous stuff and 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 no factual stuff Wilson Wilson's a really good player and you know what three-time all-stars only a couple of those in Chicago Cubs history um I think the frustration on my end always comes with losing and trying to find ways to do that so um that's probably all I have to say about that
2: did you talk to him at all do you I mean do you wait till you play him and then you tell him or how does that work
4: uh yeah, I talked to him after he signed his contract. I didn't talk to him. I I don't I don't call people because somebody wrote an article, okay, you know, fair like enough. that doesn't yeah, fair uh, I they, I've got a relationship with Wilson uh, that goes way back, a lot deeper than being his manager. So, uh I called him to congratulate him on his contract. We talked for a little bit, uh wished him the best and and told him we were to try to kick his butt when we played him and he <laughs> he he, re, he reiterated the same. So, um uh, yeah.
3: Rossi, when it comes to, to pitching, and obviously it always starts with pitching, when it comes to, to winning games in Major League Baseball, can you take us through kind of the thought process of uh, trying to fill that that number five spot in, in the rotation until Kyle Hendricks gets healthy, and then why this team has had so much success navigating through so many different bullpen arms over the last few years, and and how you go about finding that right mix for you?
1: Um, well, we got
4: a couple of guys, I think some of the guys that put themselves on the map last year, Adrian Sampson had a really nice year. He'll be competing for that fifth spot, um, along with Hayden Wisniewski, uh, Javier Saad, um, we've got guys that'll, are going to, you know, be in the mix for that, that back end of the rotation, um, spot. And, you know, we've also done a really nice job to your point in the bullpen, these, you know our front office and our pitching group identified some free agents that might be undervalued or have things that we can improve on or help with. I wouldn't say improve on, say help with. And then it's all about the players, man. The players go out and perform, you know, like no secret, Andrew Chafin, you know, Ryan Tapera, David Robertson, um, you know, I'm going to miss somebody, you know, uh, Michael Givens. um, There's a lot of guys, yeah, like Chris Martin, all these guys coming in, have had some success and whether there's an injury history or um, some things didn't go right for the back end of, a, of the half of a season. And um, I think we identified people that we don't want to give up on and, and we don't, we're not always right. Uh, and I, I would, I say we, as a group, I'm not identifying those guys. They give me those guys and we try to with me and Tommy and um, CY and uh, Dan Moscos and, and our group, we try to set guys up for success and, what their strengths and weaknesses are and put them in the right spot to succeed. And um, we've done a nice job of that. That's also very much year to year. And at the end of the day, the players got to go out and perform and um, they've done a really nice job of that. So I would love to give the credit to our organization. that's done a nice job of doing that, but uh, the real credit goes to the players.
2: David love talking to you. Thank you for your time. Really appreciate it.
4: Yeah, always. You have a great day.
2: You too. That is David Ross. He, uh, he used to be on with us the last time is his final year as a player. So we got to go through the World Series ride with uh, talking to Rossi once a week. Fantastic. It always brings that back to Morning me, after you know? he got off the plane and called us. Oh, it was awesome. Yep. Wasn't he fantastic? Well, it just uh, And what an extraordinary season that was. And his role in it was so cool. It was great. Remember, Dustin, when we met him, we talked to to uh, to uh, uh, John uh Lester. Lester, I'm sorry. We talked to Lester, and Lester's like, if you talk to Rossi? He knows everything about baseball. He was really cool, really good guy. All right, 312-644-6767. It's Mullion Hall. We've got Zach Saban here on The Score.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours